Guardian. Eyes up, Guardian. Welcome to In Orbit, Mash Those Buttons podcast, dedicated to destiny and its community. Today's show, episode 24, the race to 335 is over. So now what, Bungie? And here are your hosts, Jorge and David. Welcome to the show. David's out for the day, but today we have Mike Perry joining us. On today's show, Bungie is returning to weekly Twitch shows, Bungie's patch 2.2.0.2, Fix some year one woes and punches. The latest Iron Banner gave tons of loot, and Activision mentioned 30 million registered users. Of course, we have questions from you, the fans in our segment, Messages from the Reef. Before we get into all that, I just want to congratulate Jamie Broom, who has completed his race uh, for the Just Giving Cause for the British Heart Foundation, the one that we've been mentioning for the past two podcasts. We thank Jamie for his commitment to the clan, to the great cause, and we congratulate his excellent work for raising money for such an awesome cause. So congratulations, Jamie. Let's jump right into it. Bungie is returning to weekly Twitch shows. Starting on May 11th, the first one will be the Artists of Destiny. Well, they'll be talking about the look of Destiny, the way they design Destiny, answer some questions that people have been having with regards to the look of Destiny. It'll be very similar to what they did with regards to the Dreadnought, where they were talking about why certain places look the way they did, why certain enemies look the way they did, how they... Certain stuff like that. The week after that, on the 18th of May, they'll be discussing King's Fall, how it affects the lore of the game, uh, the different questions people have been having. Well, how does this fit into the story? Well... On May 18th, they'll be talking about how their how Oryx is with regards to his final form, the designer and a storyteller. They'll be providing commentary um, as people f- do the raid. And then on the 25th, Crucible. Uh, people are going to be going into that uh, where a dev uh, is going to be d- talking about the Crucible, how certain things work, why certain maps are built the way they are. I hope they can explain the atrocity that is Cathedral of Dusk. Let's also talk about patch 2.2.0.2. A big patch that came in this past week, and of course, anytime there's a patch of that size, it takes 30 minutes or more for it to actually register on a PlayStation 4 because Bungie. I I, I really, really, really hate that it takes that long. But let's go ahead and talk about the patch. Uh, they fixed a bug where they the melee targets search from an incorrect position, which would lead to melee attacks at whiff. This happened a lot to hunters, especially with regards to the blade dancer, and also because of the way their animation is for that melee. Kind of the, the knife kind of comes out and sticks, and then it doesn't really hit. Um, 
they address an issue where the original prison of elders, the 32, 34, 35, didn't properly give loot. And they fix an issue where the weekly nightfall didn't drop ghosts above the players like correctly. If you did a nightfall previously, even with the update to loot, you were still getting ghosts that were 295 to 308, all that weird numbers right there. And that's really, really disappointing when you're getting ghosts that are 335 from doing Challenge of Elders. Uh, they complete, they issued a couple uh, fixes to the quest with finesse and speed. Um, I'm not too familiar with that. I believe that might be something with the Red Bull. Don't quote me on that. Uh, they fixed an issue that allowed you to purchase Dreadfang, which is the sword, the Taken sword. Before you had completed the quest, which is really complete two missions. It's not really a quest. Let's be honest, Bungie. Keep it real. Um, they also fix an issue where some of the Spectar faction class wep- uh not item weapons, I'm sorry. The class armor didn't give quest progressions for the factions. So if you were doing, for example, the one quest once you get to level 25 on a specific faction... You have to wear the specific armor. Well, unfortunately, it wasn't giving the correct uh, faction reputation or points that allowed that faction to be completed. So people were having that issue. I'm not going to really talk about the one for PlayStation 3 and 360 since, let's be honest, at this point, you shouldn't be playing on those systems with regards to this game. And then uh, they fixed an issue where Cryptarch rank up packages were incorrectly giving gear one engrams. Thank God. Uh, and they fixed an issue that would allow Universal Remote to decrypt from a special weapon engram uh, as opposed to a primary weapon engram. I can understand why it was working that way. Uh, and it just, they changed it kind of like what they did with uh, Vex Mythoclass. So with all these changes, uh, the, the melee bug of, uh, change hasn't really taken into effect. It's going to be taken into effect. This coming Tuesday, the well, from today's the seventh of uh, of May, so we're we're looking at the tenth of May is when it's going to start kicking into effect. So hopefully by then, any issues with regards to melees are better mitigated. Because right now, if you're getting into a melee fight with a warlock who has all the range and all the power in the world. There's almost no way to compete if you're a hunter or a titan because of whiffing attacks. So it'll be interesting to see how that changes the game, if it changes the game, any going forward. Anything you want to add with regards to the patch there, Mike? Uh, Anything that stood out to you? Well, it's a bit disappointing still that the Nightfall isn't dropping decent rewards, personally. Um, It's it's bad that you can can go into Challenge Builders and get better gear. and all you're getting from Nightfalls is the odd uh, uh, SRL kit and all still low light ghosts, by the sounds of it. Yeah, it's almost at this point where I think that the best thing that they can do is to make it so that the Nightfalls give you a 50 50 shot whether or not you get a, the, the strike specific loot. That way it entices people to run the Nightfall multiple times to get helmets or whatever. Um, a lot of the times uh, we do these 
knife falls because yes, there is a better chance, but it's still a very minuscule chance. And there's a lot of times where people going into these knife falls, they just don't feel rewarded, which means that there's no real point in doing them. Uh, yes, you can get a massive, massive boost to your faction and your and your reputation, but outside of that, it's not really all that worthwhile to do it on all three characters based on the challenge. Um, and it's I'm not saying it's the hardest thing in the world, but it being a 320 light level challenge is a significant upgrade to back to when it was three uh, no 280. And you were 320. You had 40, 40 light points that you could. You had a little bit of a buffer there. Right now, you only have 15. That's that's enough to make a difference with certain enemies. So that means that it, it is going to be a little bit more challenging. Yeah, I, I I think the other thing with the patch, I mean, like you said, whiffing with the the titans and the hunters with regards to melee, like the the range on the warlock from melee is is insane. Um, the amount of times that you'll be at <laughs> completely different range when you're using your hunter, and you just feel absolutely in- inadequate when you're trying to bloody take one down, and you're like, "How the hell did I miss?" And the other guys took you down first. It's, it's just crazy. So I'm glad they they sorted that out now. Yep. Or they're looking to sort it out anyway. <laughs> yeah. So outside than that, there's nothing really. Big on uh, the the Twitch channels. We'll we're, we'll go and see how that works out. Hopefully, it's a little bit better than the Dreadnought one was because I was a little bit disappointed in the Dreadnought. The music one was cool, but the Dreadnought one was a little bit lackluster. So, hopefully, they improve things on that end. And with that, let's go ahead and take a little bit of a break. Mash those buttons. The ultimate website for video game snark and commentary by passionate gamers who love gaming of all kinds. From fighting games to shooters to MMOs, we cover the latest and greatest and always provide unfiltered commentary and fun. Check out all the killer podcasts available on Mash Those Buttons Network at www.mashthosebuttons.com. So let's go ahead and talk about the Iron Banner loot as well as the Activision call that happened this past week. Last week, I leveled up so much stuff due to Iron Banner. Uh, they had the Hacken's Hatchet. They had the, what was it, the helmet? Or was it, the, no, it was the boots and the class armor uh, and the rocket launcher. If you didn't get that stuff leveled up, as in all your primaries and heavy ammo or whatnot, you just weren't playing Iron Banner because all this loot was dropping so frequently. I picked up about 10 Hacken's Hatchets, whole bunch of rocket launchers, whole bunch of class armors, whole bunch of boots, a lot of boots actually, and about three or four um, ghosts at or around 334 to 335. So I pretty much max out all my ghosts because I, I have a lot of ghosts due to Glimmer. I'm a Glimmer whore. And... I use a lot of different boots, and I was getting rewarded big time. I, I can't explain how much stuff I was getting. It felt rewarding to, to basically spend my entire day doing nothing but Iron Banner. Uh, throw on a Crucible faction rep boost, all of a sudden you're getting not only Iron Banner rep, you're getting Crucible rep, you're getting all these different things that you can, you can infuse. It felt like SRL all over again. 
and it was the best feeling I've had in Destiny in a long while. Getting a group of six, going into Iron Banner, just wrecking things, having all this loot showered on me. And it, it took my mind off of the, the, the realization that, hey, this is pretty much going to be how the game is going to be until we get the new expansion. Uh, how did you fare with Iron Banner? Uh, yeah, didn't too bad. Didn't do too bad this week. Uh, sorry, the other week with uh, Iron Banner. Um, got some decent loot. That apparently the Hacking's Hatchet was a good roll, from what I'm aware. Right, the one that he was selling. Yeah, uh, that's going to be a, something to watch out for in the upcoming weeks. I would have thought. I mean, I. I don't get me wrong, I actually have seen a lot of it in Crucible. Mm. I just think it's a little bit misplaced for Crucible just because of the type of auto rifle that it is. Unfortunately, the mid to high impact auto rifles, I was wrong with regards to Suros, unfortunately. The mid to impact auto rifles are still lacking when it comes to damage output when compared to the lower impact ones. The lower impact ones just flood your face with bullets and you die real quick. The mid to higher impact ones just don't have enough of a kick to them so that they can put out the same amount of damage. If you're going up against a Doctrine of Passing or the wool, uh, the Soul Sealer Claw or the Arminius D and you have, for example, the Hacken's Hatchet, you can compete at certain points if you have somebody next to you, but if it's just a one-on-one -on -one battle, chances are you're going to lose. Yeah. And I still think that Bungie needs to increase the damage slightly on those mid-impact ones to basically be able to compete with these higher rate of fire ones. In a, in a 1v1 situation. Right. Increase the range or do something else. I think the biggest thing going... Or the lower uh, impact auto rifles is it's not affected by range all that much. Whereas if range became a more important factor, which I still think they haven't nailed down, and I keep saying this every single week, I still believe that the range stat isn't as isn't properly in in effect with regards to this game. I still think they need to do a little bit of work, and I think if they tuned down the range on those lower impact ones added a little bit of umph to the mid impact ones it would properly compete with these guns that way you don't have to nerf the uh the arminius d the, the soul stealer claw or the doctrine of passing into the ground and you have effective weapons yeah, at bring, their bring, intended bring the, range. bring the other guns up so, you know so that's a part the current gun's supposed to bring everything down to match what the, you know, the problems the problem guns are. Right. Um, that being said, I still think that the our, um, the Hacken's Hatchet is a very, very, very good weapon for PvE. Um, if you use that weapon in PvE, chances are you're going to have plenty of ammo in a magazine to take care of a good amount of enemies around you. And you're able to properly take out those those guys without feeling overwhelmed. Um, but in terms of PvP, I still think that the mid to higher impact ones are at a disadvantage, unfortunately. And I want to see them do something a little bit more with regards to that. The rocket launcher that he sold, 
I mean, you can't ask for a better role than <laughs> grenades and horseshoes and tripods. You're just going to blow everything away. Um, and there's nothing anybody can do. It, 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 it it's, it's fantastic. It, it's just, just it works so well. Exactly. Um, and the boots that they sold, I, I think it was sniper rifle ammo and rocket launcher. Yeah, I mean, those are going to be chasing those sniper sniper rifle ammo boots because, you know, you need that in the cruise. Ever since the nerf that they put into sniper rifle ammo, those boots are very, very important for a lot of players. Um, And and it makes it so that it's. You can run around, do a couple snipes without feeling that you need ammo. So I I think those were a very good role. Uh the only thing I didn't check with regards to the class armor and the the boots is the min max stat. I believe it was at if I'm not mistaken at or around the 90% mark. For anybody that doesn't understand what I'm talking about, uh the min max stat you have intellect, discipline and strength. And when you buy a piece of armor, the amount of intellect and discipline that you get, the maximum for that for that boot, there's a chance that you could get more with another boot, or there's a chance that you can get less with another boot. And the percentage is an indication of where it's at, as opposed to the maximum boots can have. And I that, that's the only stat I didn't pick up with regards to those boots. And I'm sorry that I can't provide that information, but one tool I highly recommend that everybody get um, if you're interested in min-maxing is Destiny Item Manager, uh, the Chrome app. I believe they also have an app for Firefox where you can look at the screen and on the screen it tells you pretty much whether the stats are at 100% or whether you kind of have a bad role with regards to intellect, strength, and discipline. Um, And you have, say, like a 74%. I I have this uh, helmet. Uh, what is it called? The uh, the one that gives you an extra shot for the golden gun. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? That that exotic uh, armor piece. Anyway, um, the the stat roll I have is at like seventy four percent of what the best it could be. So that's a terrible roll, and I, I and I'm better off looking for another version of that helmet to get my to get better intellect, better strength. Because right now, what everybody's striving for, people who are trying to min-max are 5-5-2. And what that means is, if you look on the options screen, where it says intellect, strength, and discipline, those bars, there's five bars per per stat, intellect, discipline, and strength. With a 5-5-2 build, you can have two of those completely filled and two bars on one. Or, if you've noticed, you can have a 4-4-4 build and basically have everything almost at max uh, recharge rate. Max, almost max recharge. It, uh, somebody who has a 4-4-4 build with regards to strength, discipline, and intellect, they're going to be using all of their abilities at almost the fastest that you can possibly go with regards to the game. And with certain perks such as a melee gives you extra super uh, energy or a grenade kill gives uh, gives you additional melee attack. 
that's an enticing build, especially for hunters, um, void hunters who use all of those abilities, intellect, strength, and discipline. Um, that's one thing I want to see them do with regards to Titans and Warlocks. Although Warlocks with regards to void, uh, void walkers, they do use the uh, melee attack a bit. Um, it's something I want to see them work on a little bit more with regards to future tuning and future uh, abilities, maybe even, even change to abilities to basically encourage you using the melee attacks a little bit more. Because uh, right now, the only classes that really use those melee effects to a full effect would be your Void Hunters or your Void um, Warlocks. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty nice to see everybody kind of heading this route now rather than what's the highest like gear I'm going to get now. People are looking to min-max now. Right. Nice to hear. Instead of just using the highest light armor you can get from the raid. Because I know most of my stuff at the minute currently is from the raid. And that's the best stuff I've got. Right. So it's it's going to be nice to play around with it a bit more. Yeah, I mean, this is how it always should be. Um, mm -hmm. And that's one of the things why I've always advocated that when you got the armor from the raid, it should have been at max light like you previously got. That way, you could either... It, it, it would make more sense with regards to the infusion mechanic. You do the raid to get the highest light gear possible. Then you use that gear to infuse your other gear to make them higher and make those things stronger. It gives you a reason to do the raid, and it gives you a reason to look for the best perks and stats so that you can have a specific build for, say, the raid, using all the different perks that you can do for the raid, additional agility, additional reload, when you're in aura, whatever. And then you have stuff specific to certain things, your PvE build, your PvP build, your raid build, your Trials of Osiris build, your build that you use specifically for um, Prison of Elders for that specific week. You can make all these different builds and play around with all this all this stuff and have so much, so many things that you can do. Um, I still feel that the best that the game ever was was during the Etheric Light um, time. But this is almost at that same level right now. Just because of how much gear you're getting and how much everything can be at 335. Yeah, people people definitely feel loved at the minute. Right. So so I, I feel that we're we're in a in a pretty good spot right now. Um and 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 I, I just want to see it continue and, and just everybody get their bet the gear to the best level that they can, not just look wise, but for stats and stuff. It's it, it's 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 a cool thing that it's a cool problem to have to, to know that okay, uh I can either have a five five two build or a four 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 build, or some or or different combinations and play around with all these different things. Well, it's not just that. I mean, you know, the next thing is everybody is going to be like, we're not going to have a great deal to do, so every, everybody's going to be looking towards the crucible, and that's you know that's what you want to start doing is start maxing your gear for crucible now. Right. All right. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about Activision's uh, recent. Um, I want to say it was a uh, a quarterly event. I can't remember. Um, but 
they were talking about Call of Duty and how everybody loved the April update. To be to be fair, everybody did love the April update. Yeah, they did. Even though it really didn't add that much content. Um, but they they made enough changes to make people feel like you know what there's stuff to do in this game there's stuff that we can go for with regards to this game and we see progression and this is how it should have been from the beginning yeah um, it, it was a fun update now the one quote i will um I, that i did find that was interesting was when they mentioned it's clear to our that our fans are hungry for more content than they than we've been able to create, and that passion and loyalty from our fans is something we don't take for granted, which is why we're working side by side with Bungie to make sure in the future we're able to deliver a more consistent stream of content and drive more engagement. This is from Eric Hirschberg uh, from the earn it was an earnings call, so I was correct um, that they. And it just screams to me that they're going to get or they're going to create a team either for Bungie, working for Bungie, or with Bungie, or inside Bungie, or giving them more resources to basically create additional content because they're seeing that even though they got the 30 million um, registered users, which we'll talk about that number in a second, they obviously see that they could have gotten 35 million, possibly 40 million. It kind of stagnated after a certain amount of time when they when people started realizing, hey, I'm not getting rewarded. I don't feel like my time invested is going anywhere. And on top of that, why am I getting leveled up? There's nothing for me to do. So hopefully this is enough of an incentive to get additional people to or people at at Activision to invest more money either into Bungie or to give Bungie more tools and more people to create more content for the future. Yeah, I think we I was, already know th- I'm sorry, go ahead. No, was, uh, the only thing I was going to say is it's a shame it took them so long to realize that. That you know I've, they need that they need to help Bungie. It, you know the game's been out for almost two years now. What we four months off two years, and it's took a year. You know it's took all that time to actually state we need a dedicated team. You know put, putting out more content than just you know the live team are actually putting out. It's, I, don't, I, I don't I don't personally think what the live team is putting out is enough. It's that it needs to be on, on a, uh, a monthly basis that we're getting new things, or you know, every couple of months. Not what was it, six six months, something like mm-hmm. that, seven months. I think the biggest thing to take away from that is, um, from what you mentioned, there's two there's two things. The first one is the reason it took them so long was because they wanted to see how the game would fare under Bungie's terms. The first two years was pretty much Bungie going all in uh, on themselves and Activision, you know, pretty much. I mean, yes, Activision definitely put their hands in the melting pot and was was like, we're changing things over here a little bit. But the first two years was 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 them basically saying, okay, 
we gave you this money, go ahead and do what you can. And they're realizing that the install base is still there. If the install base is still there, that means that they can make money from that. And if they know that they can make money from that, then it's not as risky an investment for them. Now that they've realized that it's not a risky investment, because at the time, Bungie's idea or whatever it was, was a risky investment, even though they came from the background of Halo. Just because you come from the background of Halo doesn't mean that it's going to be a guaranteed hit. And even when they sold that many copies for the new IP, it wasn't guaranteed to be a hit. Now that they're realizing that they're making money from basically nothing, let's face it, Activision's probably made more money from this April update than they did with House of Wolves, than they did from Dark Below. And even though it's free, simply put, because you have all these things with regards to the, uh, the, the Sterling Treasure, people are dropping 25, 30 bucks every month with regards to this, uh, to the silver. And they put out content for zero dollars. Think about that for a second. People are putting about, there are people who are putting 30 bucks a month. And that's just on average. 30 bucks per month for content that costs them zero dollars. Activision's making money on zero dollars. Yes, there was money in, with regards to the small bit of content, with regards to the strike and the mission or whatever, but all they're doing is reusing assets, moving things around, and putting it in. This was the quote-unquote cheapest expansion that they've had from a team that had that was, I want to say, 15, 20 people. That's what the life team is. Yeah. And maybe a couple artists or whatever. And all it cost them was pennies compared to what it took with regards to assets and resources for Dark Below and the take and the almost the Taken King. Yes, you can count Taken King, but the House of Wolves. So that being and said, with with that Activision coming out and saying that, are we thinking we're gonna get not only microtransaction content in Destiny Two onwards? Oh, th there's definitely gonna be microtransactions. Also, but also we're actually going to get proper DLC from now on that we're, uh, we're, we're going to have to pay for. It's it's because it's kind of that, isn't it? It they, is. They, 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 it they isn't. It isn't because because here's the thing. The best thing that happened this year was the fact that if you got Taken King, you got everything. It's not like year one where if you got Vanilla Destiny, you had to either had the the season pass. Or you had to buy each expansion separately, which meant that you didn't get the full experience. But the, the the only thing with that is if you're still playing Destiny when those expansions are coming out, you should have those expansions. Oh, I, I I I don't want to sound mean or or whatever, but if at this point you do not have Taken King, mm. you are wasting your time on Destiny. It's it's as simple as that. That there's there's no real reason for you to play Destiny right now if all you have is year one stuff. There's absolutely none. You should invest in Taken King 
hands down. And if you haven't, then this is probably not the game for you. It, it, it's as simple as that. And at this point, what I can see Activision doing is instead of spreading the content or instead of spreading the cost over the course of a year like they did in year one, which can be, I don't want to say disheartening or, or it, 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 it's not as appealing to people. They're going to make it so that, say, Taken King 2, whatever they want to call it this this fall. Yeah, it's Destiny it's Year 3. Be, it's probably going to be dedicated expansions opposed to, like, we're going to have proper fun expansions in between. It might not be DLC as, as per se, but it's going to be hopefully bigger drops like we've, we've got now, but they're probably going to be supported, I would have thought, a lot better than we've seen this year. Oh, I definitely agree with that. But what I think people are going to be surprised by, based on what was said right here, that they're working side by side with Bungie to ensure that there's additional content, makes me think that the fall expansion or whatever you want to call it is going to be $60 because of two things. Number one. You got the main expansion, which is going to be worth about $40, okay? You got the additional content that will be coming out later that year for, for another 20 bucks, And then everything in the middle, you can easily monetize. You can say, oh, yeah, like you pay $60, you get the entire year three exp- uh, experience, any, DL- uh, any DLCs or whatever for that year, you can easily justify selling for 60 bucks if they tell you that there's going to be an additional DLC or something like that, along with all the great updates, like in year two. So not only are you are you getting only updates throughout the year, you're also getting the main game. You're getting a DLC in, in, in the second part of the year. You're getting all these updates. You're getting your, your favorite Iron Banner experiences. You're getting SRL. You're getting all this stuff. But then you get even more because we're also going to give you additional new items that you can purchase and all this stuff. It's basically combining the feeling of year one where you knew that you were getting additional content with year two's updates. Because let's face it, if year one had been just vanilla Destiny and a combination of the House of Wolves and, and Dark or some content on the size of Dark Below and House of Wolves combined in we'll say April, right? So you have vanilla in 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 September, and then the DLC in in April, and then in between those, you had all these different updates from a live team. I think people would have been pretty okay with that, and I I can see them transitioning to a model where you have giant a giant expansion split up into two pieces. So you have something about one and about one point five the size of Taken King released in September, and then at something one point the other one point five released in April or May of next year, and then you have all these different live events throughout the year. You can easily justify the sixty bucks right there. In addition, knowing that people are going to be pe- spending money on dances, on uh, new armors, different looks different things 
it's easy to see where Activision can easily monetize this. In fact, they reported, I think it was a 55% increase in um, digital downloadable items. They didn't mention how much of that was, was Destiny. But if people are putting about 25, 30 bucks per person, this is just an average, about 25 to 30 bucks per person. And it costs Bungie pennies of what it costs to create Taken King. I mean, the, the, I and all the, King, other DLCs the Dark Below well, yeah. or exactly. Then you have to imagine that it, it was pretty profitable for Bungie. And you can easily see where Activision can easily monetize this and make more money than they would have if they sold the it's stuff as they did yeah. in year one. Sorry, DLC. Yeah. So that that's how I see the the future playing out for, with regards to Destiny, just based on this. Could I be wrong? Very possible. I will say this: it sounds like a dream, and if it's true, I'm on board. Because <laughs> that it, uh, if they came out the door with all that, that'd just be crazy. Yeah, I I definitely believe that they're either having some sort of team or whatnot involved with that. And that they're going to go ahead and uh, go from there. All right. So let's go ahead and take another break from the game real quick and discuss something a little bit different. And that's this week's movie of the week recommendation. It just came out. So let's discuss it a little bit. Captain America Civil War. Mike, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, are we going spoilers on this? or? Yep. There will be spoilers for the next five minutes, and it is timed right now. Uh, really enjoyed it. The only thing I will say, I think I'm starting to get bored of the Marvel kind of formula. I, I feel like they, they need to really bring something new to the table. Bored how? I don't know. I just, I kind of left the cinema being like, yeah, it was good. That's, that's it. I, I, I think it's just too large scale. And I know we've got uh, Infinity War 1 and 2 coming, and we've got all the other films and all like that, but I don't know. I just was like, and I, I don't know if you were expecting or not. I really wanted one of them to die. I don't know if that's me being right. vindictive or what. No, I, I I was on the same boat as you. I thought one of them was gonna gonna die, and everybody's thought was that War Machine was gonna die. Well, he's the one that took the most hit in the in the in the movie. He didn't die; he's just paralyzed. Um, and Tony has some weird leg piece, kind of like what Bruce is using in Dark Knight Returns. Um, but. I am kind of on the the fence with regards to this movie. As a movie, if I came into this movie by myself without having seen any of the previous movies, I would have been like, cool. But having seen Winter Soldier, which to me is the best Marvel movie ever made. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. I was completely disappointed with this one because I thought it was going to be something better. And it wasn't. Now, I will say this. The airport scene... Is the coolest, yes. coolest 20 minutes ever produced by Marvel. And they should be commended for that. Spider-Man is off the wall hilarious. But 
Everything before that and after that just doesn't make sense. Bar- it's not even Baron Zemo. It's 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 Zemo. Same name, same everything. It's not, not a Baron. Zemo we're looking for. But he's just doing his own thing, and he has a personal vendetta because his wife, father, I believe, and child were killed. So, yeah, uh, trying to the, the attack on I can't remember where it was now. Was well, Sokovia? Uh, yeah, Sokovia. Also, thank you. Yeah. So, yeah. So, our mm-hmm. thoughts on 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 Civil War? Definitely go see it. Just don't expect the best movie. And let me tell you, enjoy every scene that Spider Man is in because it is absolute gold. So let's go ahead and go into the next segment right now. Messages from the Reef. And we don't have any actual emails or messages directed to us. But I had I did receive several questions throughout the week that I thought I would throw in here to get both of our opinions on. The big one was, what vendor roles and weapons do you believe are some things that are can't miss kind of like Hung Jury was in year one or in before the update, I should say. Um, back before the update, the best roles or best weapons to have purchased were Hung Jury because it was a PVE monster and Thousand Yard Stare because its roles were perfect for PVE. Outside of that, there weren't too many weapons that you that were must buy. Um, you could make a slight argument for maybe one or two weapons here and there, but for the most part, the only weapons that were must buy from the tower were the arms day weapons. Now, with a uh, recent update, there are certain weapons that I can say they're probably best in class, or at or around best in class. With Future War Cult, if you have not purchased the villainy then you're just not a fan of fusion rifles. It has by far some of the best perks and stats with regards to fusion rifles. You get max stability. You get five bullets or five bolts with that perk activated. You have almost full impact. You have range finder. You have hot swap, which makes it so much steadier and easy each time you you switch that weapon. It's almost like a mini plan C in many regards because you quickly switch to it Fire you off your shot, kill somebody, switch back to your primary. Especially if you have Mita Multi-Tool. You're running all over the place, you're killing stuff, and it's an absolute beast. Uh, the heavy machine guns from the Crucible and uh, New Monarchy are absolutely fantastic. I can't remember the names of them. doesn't really matter. Go get them. The Pulse Rifle uh, from the Crucible, uh, Hawksaw, it has almost the perfect stats on it that are just fantastic counterbalance there's so many different weapons right now that have counterbalance if you have an auto rifle or a pulse rifle that doesn't have counterbalance you're doing yourself a disservice go pick them up um and yeah the, uh, that that's pretty much my recommendation pulse rifles is the main perks that i personally recommend looking for one with counterbalance um, if it's a Suros or Hakka pulse rifle, counterbalance is key because of the way the bullets spread. If you have something that isn't a faction pulse rifle, for example, your uh, Nerwin's Mercy 
your Aegis of the Reef. Those things can actually get away with not having counterbalance because the spread is pretty compact and the way it works. It's not where it goes up and then to the left or up and to the right. It's pretty pretty even. And the only thing you're looking for is for a max stability roll on that. If you are looking for something for, say, a scout rifle, an ammo perk, stability perk, even on the higher impact ones. Why? Because you want to be able to continuously shoot at that same area without having to constantly adjust your aim. There are people that can work with that. So th those are my recommendations for those two types of weapons. I can go into detail for all the different types of weapons. Fusion rifles, rangefinder, stability is what you want. Um, but I'm just I'm just going to quickly mention those perks and let you basically experiment with all these different weapons. Look for the gun that best fits you too. I can tell you that the vacancy is one of the best fusion rifles in the game, but hey, you might prefer something with a faster charge rate, or you might prefer something with a slower charge rate. It all depends on your on your game type and just working that in. Just look at the perks, look at how it feels, look how it looks through the sights, see if it works for you. The next question that I've been getting a lot of is, when do you think we'll hear something new about new expansion? Don't expect anything new until E3, guys. No, we ain't, we're we pretty ain't much on autopilot until then. <laughs> we're pretty much on autopilot until until then. Um, and we can make speculations, but right now, speculations means nothing. Speculations mean that we don't have anything to really talk about, and we're really struggling to get something across. So, just keep playing until E3, play all the different games. Overwatch beta is out right now. It's a fantastic game. Uh, you have The Division, fantastic game. There will be updates that will make that the game it should be soon. Um, and there's plenty of other things you can play right now that are just fantastic. Uh, Uncharted 4 is coming out. Try it out. Always come back to Destiny for the for the different events, but for right now, until something new comes out in the fall, we're pretty much on autopilot. What do you do currently since you already have everything to 335? As I mentioned earlier, it's just the min-max game. What do you do, Mike? I just do the raids and the map. And doing Challenge of Elders. Just keep Popping in there. Having a good time in this. Yeah, Challenge of Elders is, is very fun. You definitely feel rewarded when you do stuff there. And I think it's a it's a pretty cool little event. It's unfortunately overshadowed by the fact that there's not a huge PvE content addition to this that we thought there would be. Or some sort of change to the old raids. So it's it's cool for what it is. It's just unfortunate that it's being overshadowed by what it's what's not there. And then the last question is, with Call of Duty getting aerial combat, do you think that this is something in the future of Destiny? We've already seen a little bit of aerial combat in the ad, uh, not the ad, the uh, the movie for the Taken King, the intro. So I believe it's just a matter of time before we get that. What do you think, Mike? I, I hope so. Uh, I played a bit of it in 
uh, Star Wars The Old Republic, and that was a lot of fun, so I'd like to see it definitely come to Destiny in the future. I almost want the team from Star Fox to basically create the aerial combat for that. Because Star Fox 64's controls mixed with aerial combat for, for Destiny, let's say that you're leading the assault on the Dreadnought, that would be so much fun where you have to stop different smaller ships. And then it activates the, the final scene where Mara, uh, Mara saw blows up uh, different ships or whatever. I think that would be very, very cool. And if what? I'm not mistaken, there was a little bit of aerial combat in Halo. I don't know. I don't remember. Where you control the ship. I can't remember. I might be off my rocker. But anyway, I just want to see a, a little bit of aerial combat, something that changed the, the mechanic. And, I mean, we've already seen it with stuff such as uh, the Sparrow Racing. If you add aerial combat, I don't think it would be that much of a stretch because you're still working with your Guardian. Your Guardian already is known for having a ship. And there's plenty of weapons that are very visible on that ship that we don't use. I I, I would like to see that. What's up? Yeah, I, I mean, I know it's a bit of a sore subject with regards to Battlefront, but even though you don't go from ground to air um, combat in that game, the, the aerial assault game mode is pretty damn fun. And if they can, they can bring something like that to Destiny, it'd be definitely worth it. You know. I think it'd be worth investing in. Um, I just I just see it in a Call of Duty game first is a bit weird, but I think the main reason it's in the Call of Duty game is just because they really wanted to go full on out, yeah. and they know that that's a a game that's only going to be on PlayStation Four and Xbox One, as well, opposed to how do it is. Those right. things. Yeah. Exactly, as opposed to how it is right now, where you have all these different systems that you're probably maxing out what it can do. So that that might not be an option for PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 because of storage space. So I wouldn't be surprised if in the future we got uh, a crucible mode that involved aerial vehicles. But it would need to be on larger maps. And I'm talking about even larger than, for example, the one on... um, on Mars, Bastion, uh, First Watch, uh, Skyshock. Actually, Skyshock would probably be the best out of, out of the three because it's pretty open. Whereas uh, the one on Mars and First Light, there, even though it's gigantic, there's still a lot of cover. Um, but it's pretty open and it would allow for a lot of stuff with aerial combat. I think that would work for those things. What, what about bringing it to... Um open areas from, like, the Cosmodrome and stuff like that. Like, the actual planets Like, the patrol? Yeah. That would be good. You want... So you want aerial combat in patrol missions as well? Or in... It'd be nice. I'm not saying we're going to get it, but that would be... It wouldn't surprise me. I I, I mean, we've already seen it in Halo, where they've, they've involved those ships and stuff in missions. So it wouldn't surprise me if if at some point in the future we had some sort of aerial game involving our ships, yeah. Um, the thing, the thing is, I, it's not. The, I mean, how many people's on a server? 
on, on, on the planet. I don't think it's that many. I mean, if Battlefield can put 64 players in one environment, I'm pretty sure it must be able to do something like that. Right, but but Battlefield also has dedicated servers, and it, it has one specific system with regard to that. You don't yeah, have this, that, no, you don't true. have the same same thing where Destiny. The main reason Destiny has player side matchmaking is because it doesn't cost them as much. But now with Activision basically saying, "Hey, we're going to invest more resources into this game," it would make sense then for Destiny Two or even the Fall expansion, possibly. We don't know to involve aerial combat and all that stuff. I think it it's it. It comes. The big thing is, until dedicated servers are in, we're probably not going to get this. That's the biggest thing holding the game back, with regards to what we want. So we'll see in the future. So, I think that's pretty much it for us for this show. Uh, did you have anything that you want to add, Mike? No, I think that's everything. So. Before we do head off, I do want to say a, a special um, special bit of news. For fans of The Division, we will soon be getting a new show called Sit Rep Radio, which will be hosted by who, other, who else but Mike, mm-hmm. our current expert here on The Division. Um, we'll be giving you updates on that show coming out soon, so stay tuned uh, to mash those buttons for additional information. But as always, we thank you for listening to In Orbit. We're available on a ton of platforms, so make sure that you're spreading the word. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes, Overcast for iOS, Stitcher Smart Radio, Player.fm, Pocket Cast, and also we're on Google Play Podcasts. Uh, uh, If you go on to Google Play, they have their own podcast section there. You can definitely find us there. Let's also talk about our sister uh, podcast right here on the Mashos Buttons Network. We have Double Tap, our bi-weekly fighting game podcast for fans of Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, and other fighting games. We have WoW Talk, our bi-weekly podcast dedicated to World of Warcraft, available every other week opposite of Watchpoint, our bi-weekly podcast dedicated to Overwatch. And of course, we are in orbit your bi-weekly resource dedicated to the Stargazers and Darkness Destroyers in Bungie's Galaxy. We're available on Twitter at MTBSite. That's M as in Mary, T as in Tony, B as in Boy, S-I-T-E. We're available on Facebook.com slash MashThoseButtons, YouTube.com slash MashThoseButtons. Mike, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Memphis Rock on my YouTube channel. All right. And on behalf of me, Jorge, David, who's currently out on assignment, Mike, and the rest of the In Orbit team, we thank you for listening to our show. And as always, we'll see you star side on the next mission. Later days. Later days.